Hey now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. I am here at the Momentum Studios in the city of Portland, Oregon. And we're getting right to it today, y'all. We're getting directly to the content. Um, we have a special guest who is on here. And before I introduce this special guest, I'm going to give a quick little backstory. Um, you know, a few days back, um, watching the women's tournament, which is what I've been doing. It's very good, by the way. If you're not watching NCAA Women's March Madness, you are absolutely cheating yourself. But uh, I'm sitting back and I'm watching March Madness, and uh, I am watching UConn and Paige Beckers, really good player for UConn, putting on a phenomenal performance. And I was a bit excited by the performance, as anybody would have been, because it was such a good one. And this was the game to go to the Final Four. And uh, I get a little bit excited, and I get on my Twitter page, and I, uh, I tweet something out to the magnitude of, it was a good battle between both teams, but the team with the best player in the country won. And uh, shortly after that, I got a message from today's guest that essentially said, Haley Jones, please don't sleep on her. Now, some of you may be wondering, well, who is this person that's, you know, coming here to give props to Haley Jones? Well, I'll tell you, he is an assistant men's basketball coach at Colorado College. He's also a Pacific University alum, but most importantly, he is the Stanford women's basketball star Haley Jones' older brother, Cam Jones, man. What's popping? What's popping? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Glad to have you on here. I, I know you're probably real busy right now, getting ready to head out to Minneapolis for the Final Four to see sis, huh? Yeah, just uh, just driving up from uh, Colorado Springs, about to fly out of Denver, and uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be cold, but I haven't been to Minnesota, so it's going to be a lot of fun. For sure, for sure. It's definitely going to be a lot of fun, and more importantly, the funnest part about it is Anybody who's a basketball fan, we will be delighted with the treat of seeing UConn women against Stanford tomorrow. Well, really, it'll be today. We're recording this on a Thursday evening, but we, we released the episodes on Friday mornings. And obviously, you got standout Paige Beckers on the UConn side, and you have your sister, Haley Jones, on the Stanford side. And I'll tell you, Although I gave props to Paige that night, the night before, while everybody was listening to the slap around the world, I saw your sister put up a double-double against Texas. I, I was paying attention. I was watching. I just want to make sure you know that. I, I want to preface this entire conversation, letting you know I know she's a star. I watched her get down in that game. But you as a big brother, you've got to be proud to see your sister reached the Final Four once again. Her and her team are defending the national championship from last season. How proud are you and how exciting of a time is this for you in real time as you get to kind of experience this journey watching your sister have so much success? Me and my sister are really close. Uh, you know, we're each other's biggest fans and uh, we tell each other what we need to do better within our lives. And, um, you know, it just makes you proud. Like we used to go to the gym as my parents were high school basketball coaches at San Andreas High for the, for the girls' basketball team. So women's basketball has been, you know, in my blood for since I was born. So, like, I've always had a love for it. And, you know, her drive and her passion for the game is on another level. And I'm just proud of her uh, and her team. And obviously, like, last year in the bubble, we never got to see her play until a Pac-12 tournament last year. And then yeah. getting to see them you know, win the Pac-12, winning the national championship was pretty remarkable and then having two Pac-12 teams in the title game last year was really good for the Pac-12 but um, you know the teams really stepped up this year only losing Keanu Williams last year from on this year's team and um, they're really hungry to you know repeat so that's why they're back at the final four. I, I want you to talk a little bit more about the familial dynamic because as you mentioned you're you're a close-knit family you're a basketball family, clearly, obviously, speaking to your parents and their coaching history. The world obviously sees what Haley Jones puts on display, so we know about her. And obviously introduced you. You played college basketball at Pacific, and you're now an assistant coach at Colorado College, which means there's a, a bit of a, comp a competitive spirit in you as well. Did you and Haley compete a little bit back in those days when you two were younger? Oh, for sure. We... We play a little one-on-one. -on -one. We're uh -huh. ultra competitive, but uh, you know, 
at the end of the game, you know, it would get a little physical. Mom and dad would break it up. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, but that's just how competitive we are, you know. I, I mean, I push her to be her best. She pushes me to be pushes me to be my best. But like, I wanted her to be the best player she can possibly be, and I'm as as supportive as it can get as a brother. Absolutely. And what is it like just watching this Stanford's women's program, not just from a perspective of around the country, we all know that Stanford is is a storied university in regards to women's basketball. There's a rich history there. Their coach, Tara Vanderveer, obviously is one of the elite when it comes to the job. But for you, you're from Santa Cruz, California. As you mentioned, your parents coached at Santa Cruz High School. How dope is it to not only be able to connect with Stanford in the way you all are able to as a family because of how prominent of a women's basketball program it is, but to also be representing for your hometown and being able to stay in the Bay and representing that type of a way. What has that experience been like for you all to be able to stay home and represent in really one of the grandest ways possible? For sure. I mean, uh, being from Santa Cruz, a little small, you know, beach community, about 35 miles south of San Jose, people don't really know where it is on the map. So I just tell people it's the Bay, but it's really not the Bay. And it's part of the 831, which is the Monterey Bay, which is where the top is in the Monterey Bay. And then Santa, so Monterey is the south end, and then there's Salinas. So, like, we're technically more Monterey Bay than Bay Area, but it's honestly a uh, pretty cool that, you know, Haley used to go to Stanford basketball camps when she was little. And there's a little picture of her and Tara when Haley was 10 years old. Wow. Not real Ten years later that she'll be playing uh, for her at Stanford. So it's kind of cool how it all works out. And uh, she's going through the recruiting process. And uh, it was it was pretty – it was obviously, you know, had to make tough decisions being recruited by all the best teams in the country and best programs. And being home at Stanford, she wanted to do something um, that hasn't been done in a long time, was to you know, win a national championship at Stanford. And um, she obviously won last year. And she's hungry for more and all of her teammates as well. And uh, – and her her, her uh, class that she came in with, uh, you know, Fran and Ashton and Hannah, they call each other the Funky Four. Yeah. And uh, they're so close, and it, including all of, all of the rest of her teammates. So it's just pretty cool that she gets to stay home, and we get to have all of her family at every single game, grandpa, grandma. Yeah. And, you know, everybody from Santa Cruz comes. only a 45-minute drive from right. Santa Cruz to Stanford. So it's really nice that everybody gets to come. Super dope, super dope. Well, obviously tonight we got a big game, UConn versus Stanford. Again, I, I, I said what I said about Paige, um, but I do want you to know that I am from the Bay Area as well, which you obviously already know. And I was always and still am rooting for Stanford to go out and beat UConn. But again, luckily for us as basketball fans, we get to watch such a premier matchup in the Final Four. Again, two, two dynastic-like college programs in Stanford and UConn and two of the best players in the country and Paige and Haley talk about their dynamic a little bit, because I know the women's basketball community is close. And although we're going to see them compete like crazy tonight, I know that there's a little bit of love between the two as well. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, Paige is obviously an amazing player and uh, there's a lot of really good players. Don't forget. I mean, if you think about this matchup, there are obviously two Hall of Fame coaches, the two winningest women's basketball coaches of all time. Right. That could be number one and two altogether, men, women, you know. And then you have the last four number one players in the country all in one game with Kristen Williams of, of UConn, was 2018 number one player. Haley was 2019 number one player. Paige Becker is 2020 number one player. AZ Fudd, 2021 number one player. And you probably have a combined 22 McDonald's All-Americans. I might be wrong on that, but yeah. pretty close to that. So it's just there's just so much talent in the game, and um, it's just super exciting that uh, the program get to finally meet because it's been a long time since they played each other. Um, but you know, it's it's obviously an amazing accomplishment. And Haley and Paige have played with each other. They won gold uh, in 2018 mm -hmm. with uh, US 17 uh, for Team USA. They went to Belarus and won gold. They won. Uh, they beat France in the championship by 50, and that was probably one of the most loaded teams ever. Because if you really look at that team, yeah. it's now it's pretty cool. They had the front page of the uh, NCAA Final Four March Madness after the game on Monday. So the front page was Aaliyah, Boston, South Carolina, yeah, Haley Van Lick, Louisville, 
Haley, my sister, Stanford, and Paige of uh, UConn, all those four players are all on that team. So it's pretty wow. remarkable how, like, all those players that are all on that team are all representing uh, their te- their own teams in the Final Four, including Cam was on that Cam Brink on Haley's team's on that team. Right. Brandon Levy. The team. Oregonian herself. Yep. AZ a- Fudd from UConn was on that team. So there's just so much talent from that team. It's, and they won, I think, by average, it's 55 points in those seven games they won in Belarus. So it's pretty remarkable how, like, all those relationships you make when you're younger and then all look at them now, like, four years later, wow, they're all in the Final Four. It's pretty remarkable to see. And see, that's what I love about the women's college basketball tournament because, obviously, you know, you see upsets on both the men's and the women's side. Um, but I, I think in the men's, you see upsets. Upsets are a little bit more common on the men's side, but with the women's side, it's, it's almost like their legacies are on the line far more because you speak of the rich history of each team having players that played on the USA team together, have a representative on these final four teams. You speak of the consecutive years of number one players that'll be playing in this game alone. And it's like, that to me means so much to the legacy of each one of these women where in college basketball, you have trajectory as men's basketball to be particular. You have trajectories that change so much from year to year that you just never know who's going to be the final four teams in the final year. And I love that because it feels like it makes the games more important when there's so much on the line from a legacy standpoint, rather than just, all right, we'll get another four teams this year. We'll see how they do and we'll just be excited by the product of the game, which is great, by the way. But on the women's side, those legacy acts are are, are far more greater in in regards to what college basketball means to women's basketball at large. For sure. I mean, uh, in the men's side, um, in the the NBA, you have to be, I think, 19. Right. Um, I think in the year after high school. So you have to go to prep school or you have to go to college for to be a one and done or most guys like Lamelo ball went overseas yeah on the women's you have to be 22 on your uh, uh you have to be 20 22 on the calendar you are you i believe so most of these girls are staying four years yeah if some girls stay three um just like like a couple of girls have declared um for this year's draft uh, that are juniors because they're 22 on the calendar year so they'll be a little older, right? Or if you, or if you're international, um, I remember last year uh, in the draft, a couple of girls that Haley and all of them played back in Belarus for like Australia and France. They're all eligible for the draft because you can be 19 and go to the draft uh, overseas. So there's a lot of crazy rules on the woman's side. Yeah, and, I don't know if I like but, um, that. Again, I like it for college basketball in particular because the legacies become that much greater when you have players who should probably be playing in the WNBA right now that are staying four years in comparison to on the men's side. Guys that know they should be playing in the NBA are leaving as soon as they know that they should be playing in the NBA. For sure. And, you know, the NBA has 30 teams. The WNBA has 12 teams. There are only 144 spots. And it's really, really hard to get a – a uh, roster spot in WNBA because, um, you know, the veterans like Tyana Taurasi and Sue Bird and Sylvia Fowles are just too good and they yeah. can't be replaced. So it's it's uh, it's just a different dynamic when it comes to the NBA and the WNBA. But um, the, the Bruins game has always been amazing, but it's getting a lot more hype than ever before. Absolutely. And like tomorrow, per se, like you're going to have the game on ESPN, the main coverage with Ryan Rucco and Rebecca Lobo. And then, so you guys know on ESPN two and ESPN U, you're gonna have a players uh, broadcast like with uh, Monday Night Football. Like Eli and Peyton Manning does the Monday Night Football on right. ESPN two. Right. You're gonna have Sue Bird and Ross Rossi getting the players' perspective on ESPN two. So you're gonna have two different uh, coverages of the Final Four on two different, three different channels tomorrow night. So it's the game is slowly growing. It, it, it sure is, man. I can't wait for the WNBA to expand. Uh, I can't wait for this game here tonight uh, because, again, although it's a lot of love, these young women's careers are intertwined in so many different ways. If you just watch them compete, 
you know that when they get inside of those lines, they're out there to win, and that's it. They are not out there to do anything else, and that's what's so enjoyable about, again, this tournament. That's what's so enjoyable about your sister being able to defend her national championship again. I might have tweeted something about Paige, but believe you me, while everybody was listening and watching the slap heard around the world, I was watching your sister dominate against a really tough Texas team, and I'm excited to see the best compete against each other here tonight. Absolutely. That was a fantastic Elite Eight game between Texas. It was so physical. Oh, Ooh, it was oh, physical. It was a very physical game. Vic Schaefer came from Mississippi State, going back to his alma mater, and he had that same kind of uh, up uh, full court pressure style they brought over to Texas, and they're doing a great job. And they're a really talented team. And we lost them in the second game of the season back in November. So I think the girls really wanted that game really badly. Yeah. And, uh, and right down the wire. And they got so many talented freshmen and sophomores and juniors and seniors there. They're a tough team, and they're going to be back next year. You better yeah, believe that, it. That backcourt was dynamite over there, and they were young over oh, there sure. at Texas. Rory Har- yeah, Rory Harmon's a really good Whoa, player. she's I, good. <laughs> I, I loved watching her play. I watched her the first time we played them, and I was like, she's really quick and steady, and she doesn't really play like a freshman. It was really impressive to see. Absolutely. Well, Cam, I know you're on your way to the airport right now, wishing you nothing but safe travels. Have a fantastic time. Really take in the moment, these moments that you're able to have with your family, um, with your which which you're able to have with women's basketball and just the sport of basketball at large is super dope and again have safe travels and and we'll get we'll get you back on here especially if they go out there and win that championship here in the next few days i really appreciate you having me on the on the podcast i really appreciate it i'm just you know beyond proud of my sister and uh these opportunities, these uh accomplishments that she has i just you just can't take these things for granted like no she worked hard and her teammates and it just makes me proud and we talk every day and uh you know we're just i'm just so proud and everybody else in the community and in our family so it's going to be a, quite the ride in, in, in minneapolis so can't wait to support her and uh it's gonna be fun absolutely man well i'm cheering her on again as a bay area representative myself i'm going for the bay even though i was born in berkeley you know, that Cal and Stanford rivalry has always been a thing <laughs> since before any of us existed, but she's from the Bay. So nothing's taken away my fandom from that aspect. And so, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm expecting a really good one. And again, safe travels to you, man. Appreciate you, man. All right, bro. Well, there you have it, Spencer. That kid, that man, that young man, excuse me. He knows what he's talking about, man. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. You can tell that he's a basketball guy just by the way he answers basketball-related media questions. It's yeah. kind of funny. I'm like, damn, bro, you on a, it's not an interview, but it's like post-game. <laughs> Pop your shit, bro. No, but 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 again, he, he comes from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that family, when your parents are high school women's basketball coaches, so she obviously really grew up in it as a, as a young girl, you know, and your parents are high school basketball coaches. So, I mean, she she was born and bred to do exactly what it is that she's doing. And I love to get those kind of backstories because now everything makes sense. Oh, yeah. When we, when we get introduced to her again, obviously, unless you're really dialed into women's basketball, she was a number one player in high school. We knew that this was, well, anybody who Pac-12 follows women basketball. Pac-12 player of the year. Most out, I think she won most outstanding player last year as well yeah. in the national championship mm-hmm. game. Um, but But obviously – it makes sense for those of people that discovered her now on this big stage that she's on, hearing a backstory like that from Cam and being able to get the perspective that he was able to give just makes this entire thing make sense. Well, man. yeah, especially with her choice to just stay at home right. and play for Stanford. I mean, obviously it's worked out for her. But I tell you what, that foundation, you know, the foundation of their family, the way that they put the pieces together – for her to have so much success in the league, 
But even, you know what I'm saying? You watch it matriculate in all across. I'm sorry. She'll, yeah, she'll sure. be there one sorry, day. I, you know what I meant. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm in the future. I'll I hear you. I hear you. She'll be there one but, day. But I'm saying, like, you see how when Cam was talking through how it matriculates through all aspects and you see, okay, there's a foundation here that if people are just now cluing into the fact that you can get some of the best basketball action night in and night out in this women's, you know, circuit, if you will. Yeah. That that foundation is going to build some of the most dynamic. Like, dude, this matchup tonight, yeah, it's going to be one of the most like dynastic. You said storied, and also like you got the one and two best coaches. And I don't even know if dynastic time. is a word, but <laughs> it is but today. It is today. You know what I meant when know, I said I, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Look, I'm telling you, the one and two coach of all time. Yeah, winning his coaches. Plus, you got some of the best talent you could say that the college women's uh, has ever seen. Yeah. Paige, Paige Beckers, though, she's cold. She's cold. She's cold. She's cold. I was watching her in that game versus, uh, it was NC State. And NC State, for she had one. Like 20 in the third or something like NC crazy NC State like that. was crazy resilient. Like, you, you saw why NC State was the number one seed in that game. Like, to me, they were the better team. Mm. Like, they were so resilient. Everybody came to play. You just couldn't really put them away. Paige had to transcend. dominate and transcend yep. that in order for them to win. It was a double overtime game, so it was right. a crazy good game. But but you know, you you mentioned like the storylines as we obviously talked about some of the history when it comes to the intertwining of, of these players right. as as he spoke to, you know, them being on the USA team together, now being able to compete against each other in final fours and obviously Year after year after year, you got number one players out of high school that are all playing against each other now in these Final Four matchups. And it's like, there's so many great storylines, so many rich storylines in women's basketball that anybody that isn't engaged or entertained by this, that claims to be a basketball fan, you're really just not a basketball fan. No, no, flat not out. At all. You're really just not or, a basketball or, fan. Look, you can you can call yourself a basketball. You're a hype fan. beast. That's fine. You're a hype beast. Go ahead. <laughs> right. Go ahead. But when you when you bring them arguments talking about, well, it's just not of a refined product of basketball compared it's a to joke. Them, then you don't know the game. You don't you know the game. You're a fan all day long. That's cool. But like I say, you know, we talk about it on the podcast all the time. More and more quote unquote basketball fans, they're really just a fan of the fact that the NBA in particular is the best soap opera on TV. Absolutely. And so they're getting that content through their Twitter and through their Instagram feeds, and that's cool. But you are missing out on a level of basketball that... Top tier. Is, I mean, that you might not even ever see again, really, because yeah. the, the, the dynamicism and the dynasticism of these two teams... The legacies and, that are on the line. Well, they're already... The, the, both of those legacies are set in stone, for for organization for schools right for, for coaches players. and for the players they're all, both of these teams have national pedigree national title pedigree right so it's like it's going to be a spectacular battle i mean i wouldn't be surprised if this thing goes ot again and i'll tell you what if uh, uconn does what i'm assuming they're going to do why wouldn't they and they go and get after Cameron Brink real quick and get her in early get her foul, foul trouble, trouble. she got in early jo- foul trouble in the it, last game against uh, texas cuz that's what she does kind yeah. of yeah and Haley Jones is, I mean, she's the one. She's the one. She is where everything flows through. And so she's going to take this matchup seriously. Absolutely. It's Everybody gonna is. A, it's going to be a battle. I think 30 pieces are not out of the question at all for these two girls. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, I think I, I would probably say that more so for Paige, but I think. Oh, she's going to have think, to have but it. But Haley, Haley, I don't think she has to have it because their team Paige? is so deep. No, Paige, Paige, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Paige, absolutely. Yeah. But, but I, I started speaking about Haley after that. Right. But Haley in particular, what I love about Haley's game is it's so well-rounded. She mm. does everything. She's going to score the, amount, the amount, amount of points that she needs to score for her team to win. In, she's going to get the amount of rebounds that are necessary to make sure her team has a chance at winning. She's going to defend well. She's going to get a she's going to do everything. She she stuffs the stat sheet. And that's where I could see like obviously we weren't bringing Cam on to debate whether Paige or Haley is the best player in no. the country. That wasn't what that was about. But if you do compare their games where him saying don't sleep on Haley Jones makes sense is I do believe Haley Jones is just a more complete player than probably anybody in the country. 
Page, I think, lights it up as good as anybody in the country. But as far as just a complete package, being able to do everything on the floor necessary to put your team in the best position to go out and win championships, which obviously they've already gotten one last year, and she was the most outstanding player. They're right back in the thick of it this year, playing in the Final Four matchup tonight. That's where I say... He does have some validity calling me out saying don't sleep on Haley Jones because she does everything needed and leads to go out there and win championships. And that's what it's all about. It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that ring. Exactly. That's she it. Got it. She got one and she's coming for another Especially one. Especially in the final four. But damn, but damn, but 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 damn, Spencer. I was I was I was watching that game. I was watching that UConn game versus NC State, and I I saw Paige rattle off about sixteen straight. No, I think it was (laughs) twenty straight actually. That, no, see, that's what it I'm was nasty. I'm it was so impressive, man, and and I was excited when I put the tweet out there because again. Sitting from an analyst chair, if I had to analyze their games, you heard kind of what my stance is on each of them as players. But in that particular moment, it was like, yo, there's probably not anybody in the country that could do that. And that's what made me go out on a limb, which isn't a crazy take. I mean, she was a national player of the year last year, and she's right back playing in the Final Four this year. She's just been hurt for majority of this season, so it hasn't been like a crazy season for her. She's only played in like 15 games, but in that particular moment, on that big of a stage, right. what she did, I don't know if there's anybody else in the country that can do that. Well, that's why they were throwing around those Diana Taurasi comparisons. Yeah. Because that's what it takes. That's what she has. That's what she has. She has that thing that's like, when it is down to the nitty-gritty, she says, give me the rock and get out of the way. I got it. Give me the rock and get out of the way. Stanford doesn't really hang their hat on that style of this is our absolute, like, they're, they're yeah. so deep. That team is yeah. so deep. They're, they're programmed. It, they're God, so programmed. It's just going to be <laughs> such a tactical matchup. I can't wait, man. It's going to be a great game. And, and, and don't sleep on that South Carolina-Louisville game. Whoa, that's going to be crazy. You caught me before I said something reckless. So yeah, 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 yeah that's going to be crazy. Yeah. That's going to be crazy because – I, I, I'll be honest with you. Whoever wins that game has a very good chance at being a national champion this uh, national champion this year. And again, that's the case on both sides in right. regards to both games. Right. And that's why I said it's such a it's such a legacy sport, and the legacy element to it is so grand. And when you think of what women's college basketball means to women's basketball at large, I don't think men's college basketball especially today is as important to men's basketball at large it's it means so much more on the women's side from a legacy standpoint again you think about you think about obviously the one and done rules you think about guys going overseas now guys are doing internships now guys are going to the g league now guys have so many different options it's like yeah, it matters, and it's fun when we're in the moment, but what it means to men's basketball at large is actually, like, decreasing while women's college basketball continues to increase because as far as its importance to women's basketball at large because the legacies just grow well, and grow and grow, and they become so massive, and then here comes somebody else, and it just grows and grows and grows. And I'm speaking from a perspective of the players, right. not necessarily well, the coaches, because the coaches get the legacies in men's basketball. Well, and, and they get the paychecks. Let's get, yeah. let's get real for a second. Absolutely. They get the paychecks. The reason why the NCAA men's thing isn't as valuable. March Madness. Well, just playing, college basketball. playing yeah. at all. It's not valuable because there are all of these – avenues for young players to go pursue outside of college now where they can make money. They yeah. can go overseas. The G league is developing like crazy. Yeah. They can do that at 19 years old. You heard cam talk about it. That's what's the, what did he say that the age was to get 22 in that calendar year, 22. And that's crazy. And now you're talking about, <laughs> okay, so not only, so, so you took in my most valuable resource, which is my time. Yeah. At, at, by preventing my right entry into professional at th- by three years, right? That you know that that means, and it does that there are limited options all over the place. Then, yeah, for women to go pursue a viable career field outside of college, and even when they sit there and they make all of this money, 
for these for these colleges, right? They get into the WNBA and they're looking at an average salary of seventy grand. And then you got to go overseas, and you and might have some cannabis oil on you, and you end Brittany up being Griner. and you end up being Brittany Griner in the situation a she's in right now. Let's just get real sport. about it. A superstar of the sport has been sitting, God knows where, exactly, right. exactly for weeks upon weeks, and it's a and it's a tweet here, it's a tweet there, yeah, and it's just. Look at how systemic this is, man. It's deep. Look where it goes to. It, it's deep. It's deep. It's real deep. But again, super excited for this. Tournament. I didn't mean to get. I didn't. Mean no, to get that was great. This second, is what we do. You know. We're intersectional with this podcast stuff. Just, yeah, we can talk about the game. Yeah, we might be able to bring the best player in the country's brother on the podcast. I know not every podcast can do that, but. We also can get to the nitty gritty of these conversations as well. And what you're saying is very important. Carry on if you wish. I mean, you got to push the storyline, bro. That's the thing. Relationships yeah. are the most valuable, you know, asset that people have to growth financially and all of that. And you do that by, you know, deepening the narrative between people. Cam coming on the podcast, that's not nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's like, yeah. let me put my story out there. Absolutely. Try to get that out into the ether. That's what matters, bro. Yeah, especially as we approach this here game. It's gonna be it's sick. gonna be crazy. Like you said, all the different broadcast channels. I'll be I'll be flipping through all of them too. I'll be flipping through them all. Cause for one, I'm a broadcaster myself. So I like to hear alternative broadcasts. And 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 you and I talked about this about something else that we won't speak to on air, but I'm not necessarily a traditional broadcaster. Right. So when you see games like this Final Four have two and three broadcasts that aren't necessarily traditional, it fits me and who I am as a broadcaster in this industry in ways that the average person wouldn't even be able to tell or see. Because now I can speak to these other non-traditional broadcasts that are having great success to make it worthwhile in regards to what my value is as a non-traditional broadcaster for positions that I may be going for, for things that I want to pursue to executives who may or may not know what they want to do next or what their next move is. And it opens up their options and there's formulas out there that already exist that allows you to be able to grow in a way that might not necessarily be traditional. And I think that's very important for the industry at large, for the progression of it, and for, again, individuals like myself who's not necessarily a traditional broadcaster in my, like, journey's path, but been able to cover a lot of ground with what I've been able to do in a non-traditional way. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's really what people are trying to say, and I don't think that as, like, a a collective community I'm talking about on Twitter and just like the, the, the conversation at large in these formats that we have, I don't think they figured out a way to synthesize exactly how to explain what like representation yeah. means yeah. and, and what they, what we all feel we can get out of it without sort of being like, well, let's just deconstruct this whole system. I don't think everybody feels that way. Like we talk about it all the time. There are these gatekeeping sort of people in these positions of power, especially in media, that have these infrastructures set up that from the outside looking in, you, Looks you, great. Look, you can go, well, we could just plug all of this different shit in here. Right. And it would work. Right. But I feel like these dudes are like, I don't know what the impetus behind well, it. Well, well, yeah, there are people out there like that. But again, there are people out there that clearly aren't, which is why we're getting what we're getting from this game as well. And I think what's more important rather than just focusing on calling out the ones that are not like that, is to look to the ones that are willing to expand and do more and flow with the times. So that way, those models that are out there can be, because a lot of folks are set in their ways. A lot of folks in some ways are ignorant just because for whatever reason, accessibility reasons, which is kind of a kind of a lame one to me, but just to put them out there, there's, a plethora of reasons where somebody just might not know something else exists. So when you see this something else existing, we must hold those in high regard. We must get the ratings up for those shows. Even you talk about the Oscars. You, we must uplift 
how great of an increase it was when you have Will Packer producing the Oscars. Of course, we know there was a lot of other drama that went on at the Oscars as well. And uh, if you want to listen to us talk about that, just go ahead and subscribe to our Patreon because that's where we'll be talking yeah. about it is on our Patreon channel. Yes, I'm talking about Will Smith and Chris Rock. We're not doing that right now, but just $5 a month. Wake up and win pod uh, at patreon.com. You'll find us. Subscribe. It's only $5 a month, and you'll hear what we'd have to say about that. But back to the conversation at hand. If we continue to uplift those models that are having success and, and that are different from status quo, if you will, I think that is where we'll be able to see quicker progression rather than kind of having a tug-of-war conversation of, what certain people out there aren't doing from like a gatekeeper perspective, because there are other models out there. And if you could show that those models are successful, I think you can bring that back to some of these gatekeepers and they might be a little bit more open, especially if things aren't looking so hot on their end to take a chance on these models out there that have been proven to work now. Yeah. I mean, that's a hustler's mentality. And I mean, I guess that's what it's going to take. You know, I, I still think it's just it's a hustler's like, industry for sure. For sure. I just, it's just funny to me, you know, like a lot of the times you sit there and you look at these pretty point blank systems and you say, OK, if you just put three different perspectives in this writing room or in this production team, then you're going to get an entirely different look at the way this story is told or what people, whatever the case may be. And you could do that very easily today. But but, but here's the thing. Like, it's it's like, like you're trying to protect the system over the the growth of the industry algorithms which, fuck that up it's just crazy algorithms fuck that up for being honest well Al pe but people can but look but people contribute to that bro they can no that's to the, that's to the point stale that's the point people do contribute to that but what i'm saying when i say al algorithms mess that up is algorithms no longer give you the excuse to say hey this is all that's out there for me to be able to consume, and I'm speaking from a consumer standpoint now, there's so much more out there for you to be able to consume that directly interests you as a consumer that, huh, okay, we're all being force-fed these mainstream media sites, if you wish, media publications like there's so much good independent journalism out there. There's so many independent apps out there. There's so there. I mean, I work in the street paper industry for crying out loud, which is obviously an alternative to what mainstream media would be. Very niche. It's very saying. niche, <laughs> and, and content is becoming more and more niche. And algorithms obviously play a play a role in content becoming more and more niche. To where it's like, if you want to hold on to a narrative then I think what you're saying applies. But if you're being real with yourself <laughs> about what's out there and what actually exists and you're willing to go be a hustler and go get all the necessary information to that that's needed for you to be able to have a grasp or an understanding of whatever it is you want to have a grasp or an understanding of, you can go get it. The excuse is no longer there for us to not be able to go get said information because we're being fed information by this mainstream publication or that mainstream publication. There's so much alternative to that, that I think it's kind of becoming, again, if you want to keep a narrative alive, then you kind of use that formula. But if you want to actually go get the real, you can go get the real. Yeah, no, 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 you can, for sure. I guess what I was trying to say is that the issue that I see with that is that because there's so much out there and there's so many ever-growing, like, little lanes for everyone's little perspective, mm -hmm. that people will go and they'll try to create something as authentic as they can. Write a story or do a skit or right. sing a song, whatever. Right. And then they get a little bit of traction off of something. And then you get this mentality that I see is the same as these gatekeepers, sort of old school media people. Right. They go, okay, cool. That worked. So that's what we do now. Yeah. And it's no. like, well, that's not. You're stunting you're your not growth. You're pushing the story. Yeah, forward. you're stunting your growth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's like, you're going to, if you, if, if you're always in an uncomfortable position where you're constantly pushing it, especially right now, you're going to see like ups and downs. It's not going to be a rocky, I mean, a smooth road. You right. Know what I mean? So that's, that's where I'm like, 
Go check out these broadcasts. You're check them out. Diana Trossi. It's worth it. It's like, worth go it. Go check them out. At it, least give them a view because, damn it, we need the data. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, just turn it on. Put it on mute if you got to. But you'd be cheating yourself doing that as well because this weekend is about to be an entertaining yeah, one. Put the and phone not, down and, and not just on Saturday and Monday, but Friday put and Sunday as well. Put the phone down and watch the game, Watch man. the game. It's going to be some great competition. Um, shout out to Shaheen Holloway. Speaking of representation absolutely he is he just signed uh or agreed to i should say a six-year deal with his alma mater seton hall for those of you that don't know who shaheen holloway is he was the head coach of saint peter's who was the 15th seed coming into this ncaa ncaa tournament and became the first 15 seed to ever reach an elite eight game and their head coach shaheen he's was a black coach as you mentioned from a representation standpoint, played at Seton Hall back in the day. He actually was the MVP of the McDonald's All-American game. He was in the same class as Kobe Bryant and stacking those guys. Jesus. And he won MVP in that McDonald's All-American game as well. He now gets a six-year deal to coach his alma mater at Seton Hall. Yeah, I make, think it's a dope sense. story. Makes sense. He was kind of the no-brainer pick for that, so congratulations to him. More representation and just better basketball minds in the game. That's all I see there, and it yeah. sounds good to me. I, I, absolutely. I mean, again, it was a it was a super dope story, and we haven't really talked about the men's NCAA tournament, even though obviously we elevated the women's tournament for all the right reasons to start the podcast here today. When you look at it from the men's perspective and what's been going on, um, we've had guests the last few episodes, so we haven't really talked about it, but I did go on Rip City Mornings with my guy Justin Myers on the day of the first day of the tournament, the round of 64, that Thursday morning, about an hour before the first game of the tournament kick, uh, tipped off, I went on, I talked with Justin, and I told Justin, this is going to be like the wackiest tournament ever. Like, we always have upsets in the NCAA tournament on both sides, but in regards to this particular tournament, I mean, you think about the elements this year that, haven't existed in past years. Everybody got a freebie year last year. So you got some five, even six-year players that are able to come out here and play college basketball again this year. I think the parity is is becoming greater in men's college basketball because all the top players coming into college basketball are now going to the G League. They're now going overseas. They're now taking million-dollar internships before obviously entering the NBA. So what you're seeing is is half of a class that's supposed to be coming and all playing at the same schools together aren't even coming to play NCAA college basketball at all. That doesn't necessarily speak against the guys that are deciding to go the NCAA route, but ultimately that creates more space and opportunity for players that may not necessarily be your five-star recruit coming out of high school, but can get with any five-star recruit coming out of high school. And now we're seeing them be able to elevate, play for more of these, you know, storied programs and so on and so forth. So it just feels like, like I just had a feeling this was going to be the wackiest tournament that we've seen in a while. And, and what do you get? You get a 15 seed, make it to an elite eight game for the first time ever in the NCAA tournament. So I had the feeling that, that what we got was what we were going to get. And that's exactly what happened. I think it's just going to keep getting more, you know, wacky as you yeah. call it, because you're right. Dudes are not going to go to college anymore. The best of the best probably won't. And the guys that are there, they're still in great schools with awesome coaching staffs that even down to, you know, Division Two. Yeah, and it's so like, much great talent out there. so much great talent. Everybody can't make the rankings and list. Smaller school, <laughs> you know what I mean? mean? It's all, smaller schools are taking flyers on guys they may not have because they go, well, if I could get a Dame Lillard or a Steph Curry, yeah. I'm in CJ McCollum. Yeah, I'm in <laughs> yeah. business. Right, you know? right. So that's major. That's just going to, again, just make way more money for these kids coming out, which is awesome. Which is awesome. I did see. Uh, uh, I think it was. It could have been ESPN or maybe Sports Center, but they posted this. You know, like one of their little graphics they post, and it was top five NIL value uh, players in the whole of the NCAA tournament, men and women's. Yeah. And four of those players were women. Right. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And people were like, well, what does NIL mean? And it means name, image, and likeness. So it's like. 
their, I, I guess, projected value because they were talking about their quote unquote value. And I was like, well, where, where is that money? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Where does that manifest? Yeah. I know for the dudes it manifests in them getting paid contracts, G League, overseas. Yeah. But internships, it, inter- New Balance, giving out million dollar exactly. internships Sign to in, basically there is basically. Starter caps and, you know what I'm saying, throw them off a bus for 20 bucks a pop if they want. But again, where does that, you know, trans, where does that come into play for the women? That, that's what I'm sort of still trying to figure out. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, on to the next topic, man. The NFL. Speaking of representation, which has been somewhat of a theme of today's conversation, the NFL is requiring teams to hire women or minorities as offensive coaches for the 2022 season, or at least starting in the 2022 season. Um, Let me read. This is an NPR article. The National Football League set forth new diversity and inclusion efforts for the 2022 season at its annual owners meeting such as requiring requiring its 32 teams to employ a female or a member of an ethnic or racial minority as an offensive state uh, as an offensive assistant the league said in a statement right step in the right direction not really what's been my problem with the NFL from a representation standpoint yeah, I think when you put like a floor on something like that, it's like a, a requirement, you know, it makes it not come from the right place. Well, in fact, I'm pretty sure if you read further down in that article, it says that the NFL is essentially going to give each team like 200 and some odd thousand dollars to supplement that those hirings. So it's like you're not, you know, what I'm saying like you're not growing the culture of, again, representation or just diversifying your your coaching staff at all. Cause what you're doing is you're saying, it's just another rule you have to follow, but don't worry, we'll pay for it. The problem is, the problem is, is a step in the right direction. You're trying to make a little progress, but the reality of it is over 70% of the NFL is black, bro. So to not put more emphasis on black coaches getting positions when the primary demographic of your league is black players I think that still needs to be answered to, and this ain't it. That needs to be answered to for me, and this ain't it. Because, again, you can hire people that might not necessarily be white, but they may be white appearing. They still might fit a particular image that the league has had reflect in those coaching positions or executive positions. And again, you look at a situation like the Brian Flores situation. We're talking about black coaches not being able to get jobs in a league where over 70% of the players are black. And that's still the, the, the question that I have for the NFL is what are you going to do about that? And this doesn't answer that sufficiently enough for me well said didn't answer that sufficiently enough for me so again i i want to see asian coaches hispanic coaches i want to see women be able to get coaching jobs like all of that is cool and all of that is fine and dandy but the problem that i have with the nfl personally from the seat that i sit in is that over 70 over 70 percent of the league is black we need more black representation as coaches. And if we're not doing anything to uh, to specifically answer to that, my needle isn't really moved. I mean, that's it then. It would make the most sense if 70% of the people that play in the NFL are black, then probably most of the people that really know the game are black. Yeah. So, <laughs> to, to, to the magnitude no, that's necessary like, to go out there and win championships guy, and give you the best exactly, product, which a, clearly black players are doing more than anybody by a long shot. A guy that could figure out a way to get a championship wearing a helmet could probably figure out a way to do it in a polo, too. Yeah. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> like, and you ain't yeah. going to pay those dudes as much as you do the players. So Yeah. Get for ready. sure, for sure. So that's my whole thing with it is like, yeah, I like the step in the right direction thing, but it's it's really watered down to me for what the real issue is, and that's the fact that majority of the players in your league don't have the representation in 
executive offices or in coaching positions that reflect who they are. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is a problem. It's been a problem. And this is a roundabout way to try to to kind of circumvent that problem, if you will, and try to like, hey, we're doing something. We made a good move. We're hiring women and other minorities. But yeah, what about the black folk? That's how I feel. That's how I feel about it. So I guess good job, NFL, but but again, still more work to be done. The mm. buck doesn't stop there. Mm-mm. So that that's that's my thing with that. Um Anything else you want to talk about, man? Or you want to get straight to Patreon? That was a pretty good episode. I thought so. That was a great interview up front. We got Final Four weekend. We primarily talked about college basketball. We hit on the women's a little bit. Well, who you got winning on the men's side? Uh, I don't know. You got Duke, North Carolina. You got Villanova, Kansas. I got Duke and Kansas. I I got Kansas winning it all. I I, I can see... I want Duke to win, not because I'm a fan of Duke, like the organization. I never really have been, but I like Coach K. Yeah, and I like to see dudes go out on top. So that would be a cool storyline. But yeah, yeah, I think it's Kansas. Yeah, sure. I think it's, it's Kansas, Kansas, Duke, and I think Kansas wins it all. Yeah, they're just too tough of a team to have to get through. You know. Yeah, and yeah. and Duke and my bracket wasn't the greatest for those. And Duke of you is brittle. Duke as a as a team, they're kind of brittle right now. To take you know my I mean? take as gospel, my take isn't gospel when it comes to the NCAA men's tournament at this point, and neither is anybody else's because everybody's bracket got busted it's all the way up this year. Fifteen seed, <laughs> man. Everybody's bracket got busted up. So if you take anything about college basketball for gospel, you're cheat or as gospel, I should say, you're cheating yourself, buddy. Because anything goes in that tournament. Everybody, everybody, <laughs> everybody thinks they know what they're talking about until a guy named Doug comes along. Right, right, yeah. So you can forget about it. Don't take it as gospel. It's just how I feel. Don't take it personal. <laughs> Don't take it personal, man. So if I'm wrong and you put in a bet based on what I just had to say, feel bad for you but don't be mad at me because i told you don't take it as gospel because yeah, yeah, <laughs> we clearly don't know what's gonna happen because everything that's already transpired in ncaa tournament none of us knew was gonna happen split van gundy on twitter i got takes follow me don't at me what's up <laughs> absolutely also subscribe to our patreon once again as we are getting ready to get into it right now and you know what for those of you that listen to the end of this episode the patreon episode is already out Take that for what it's worth. Usually drop them on Mondays. I'm dropping the Patreon episode at the same time I'm dropping this episode. So you'll be able to get both at the same time. Have a blast. On that note, we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how. And that is to stay woke and go win.